Lawrence, give us your perfect yeah. anecdote. <laughs> James doesn't need to know. James could ruin it if he was here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you actually have an unobstructed, like perfect white snow ahead of you to just give us this anecdote oh, without James yeah. butting in and being like, no. <laughs> You know, is that what he sounds like? No. Yeah. <laughs> Gave it my most, most Antonio yeah. Banderas I could put on that one syllable. <laughs> Hi, James. Oh. Uh, you back, can James? You hear us? I don't even know. Yeah. Oh, good. You just missed yeah. the perfect anecdote, man. It was so <laughs> good. I'm Nicholas Cole. I'm a character designer and illustrator living in Vancouver, Canada. I'm Max Ulichny, and I'm an illustrator and character designer based in Los Angeles. And I am James Castillo, a freelance character designer and director living in London, UK. We are the host of Negative Space, a podcast about what surrounds the lives of artists in the entertainment industry. Welcome to our episode number 12. This time we have with us Lawrence Bennett, who's a dear friend of mine and who has come to talk to us about his transition into the VR industry and his experience working on Madrid Noir. This time you guys are going to be kind of interviewing both of us, pretty much, right? Because we we just released a thing called Madrid Noir in the Oculus Quest store. Yeah. Huge we congratulations. Yeah, we did. Truly, yeah. like it looks oh, amazing. And I'm, I, so I, I'm awesome. embarrassed to say that I haven't had a chance to play it, but I, I have my chance this weekend. <laughs> but yeah, you'll do it this weekend, oh. right? You have a yes, headset. Yes, for sure. Yeah. I don't have a headset yet, no. but I'm I, my, my finger is continually on the button. I'm like, am I going to buy this just to play Madrid Noir? I think. I think <laughs> all the cool stuff in it. There's a lot of like cool tech that you can get in, in your headset mm. and you can start like painting in VR. Yes. Everybody wants to see Nicholas in VR world. <laughs> yeah. I mean, struggle yeah. and fail and, and, and feel miserable about myself as I try to like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I can't do it. <laughs> Sitting, crying alone in my uh, living room in a headset. <laughs> I was good Just at filling 2D. filling up the visor with tears. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So yeah, with voices, like co- freaking congratulations, guys. Like huge. That's, that's such a huge like thing to get out there into the world and, um how long have you guys been working on it? it's been years yeah uh yeah um i mean so so actually this this kind of incarnation of it the final incarnation of it as it is is we really working on it for about 20 months james you reckon 20 months yeah i think a, a year and a half um, we started on okay. we literally started january 2020 mm. full of hopes and dreams <laughs> uh yeah. And then, and then, <laughs> COVID hit March. So wow. at least we managed yeah. to get the pre-production done in the office. So all the writing, yeah. or most of the writing. Now we started the writing before. We we started the writing at the end of 2019 because I I wrote it a lot in cafes, right? And cafes mm-hmm. weren't open. Well, they so, were in, in January, but we got the the call from Oculus yeah. happened through Christmas, and I because mm-hmm. I remember we we're all ready to like give up on after because we we took us about a year to get the financing sort of done. Yeah. And we were very close to like give up on just like everybody was already sort of like starting to move into all the stuff. And then we got the call that that it was sort of greenlit through from Oculus. So yeah, then January started writing. We had the the, the um, art department built. Well, I mean built. It was only like three of us mm-hmm. working on it and writing. And then all the animation, all that stuff like happened through COVID. So the animators yeah. never, ever worked on the same room together dang that's crazy that's wild wild yeah yeah and that was almost none of the team did almost none none yeah yeah exactly in fact i can i can barely think of uh, only in the last few months just before we shipped it was anyone in the in the office together Um, yeah and that was and, and and they were all um you know kind of senior people in the company because we were um trying to keep the office numbers low as well Right. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange thing to see to think of that. Um, is that actually we because we were working on this obviously for eighteen months? But jump back to your question, Max, is that we we started it four years ago. Mm. Um, so we kind of we me and James uh, met uh, in Annecy. Actually, um, was it Annecy? I think it was Annecy. Mm-hmm. It was Annecy. Um, and uh, we met in a bar somewhere. We had a mutual friend that had introduced us. And James was like, you know, 
instantly got his iPad out in front of us and was like, what about these things? Um, and I was like, dude, I just met you. Can we have a drink together first? Um, and um, uh, yeah, and showed us a loads of imagery. Um, he showed us a couple of projects he was working on, but one of them was less developed and that was the image of Madrid Noir. Well, the image that became the project in the end. Yeah, because um, at the end it wasn't like, like a lot of the stuff that makes the project now, like it did not, did not exist originally. So there was like a very green seed of like an idea. I, I originally wanted to make it more like a Pink Panther-esque like little episodes where like it was more like just jokes okay. and sort of physical pantomime stuff. Was that the but image on, I, the, on the streetcar? Is that the one I saw? Or was that like one yeah. of the early images? Yeah, that's the first one. That, 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 that image is from like 2015 or 16. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's why in my mind it's like been around for so long. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a very long time. And that, that one originally was that. It was just like a bad guy and this policeman and like chasing him because he's kidnapped a dog and then once we did the short film and with that short film that we made sort of went to festivals and we started talking with producers and like it was a very long process until we got into like actually making what it is now the project Mm. but um yeah like a lot of then like some of the requirements were like the length and the interaction and the um, like and then we kind of added that level of ambition because all, all through this through the years that it took us to like get to the point of actually making it vr tech had like evolved a lot and other projects have come out mm-hmm. so when we started we was we just wanted to like test it yeah that's right because like, four years almost, ago you think back things have evolved quite a lot even since massively. you started mm-hmm. yeah something. massively yeah so we so then it's when like well like well we're not gonna make this like you know nothing wrong with making something like short and funny and just like flat but we're like we're gonna try much harder to to do something that is a little bit more interesting and it sort of takes the takes all the stuff that everybody's done and see where we can take it um the next level and that's where like lawrence having a background in theater and a background in writing like it really helped like to really get the story sort of really forming it and really get a bit more ambitious with the themes and the stuff we wanted to tell i'd love to hear yeah. more about that in fact because I, I, I wasn't aware of the theater uh background and stuff how's how... So James Lawrence. may have may have slightly oversold me there. Okay, um, <laughs> you know, in the sense that yes, I have spent a lot of time in the theatre, but very much when I was young. Mm. Um, so You're still I, young. Okay, sorry. When I was a young a, a young lad uh, on the streets of England, uh, no, I was uh, when I was. Um, I'm imagining when, very yeah, high socks I, and. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. And very short, um, short, short, short yeah. high socks. Yes. Yeah. Really short. <laughs> Giant <shorts>. lollipop. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, so it was from when I was much younger, so in my kind of like teenage years, um, and all the way up until really probably 17, 18, I was, I was pretty sure I was going to be involved in acting and theatre and, um, and stuff like that when I was, uh, so once I got to, well, college or high school, um, that kind of, uh, I was split. I did a lot of, um, probably a weird split. Now it makes total sense because of where I work. But um, at the time, I was doing drama, uh, theatre studies, um, and also doing computer programming, um, hmm. which didn't at the time really mesh together very well. Now I found a, an outlet for it, which is great. But um, but yeah, it didn't really mesh. And so that kind of, I, I essentially fell out um, of, the, of that sort of dramatic world for a long time. Um, and ended up doing computer animation at university and then, and then going to work in visual effects. Um, and that was the kind of that VFX spending years in VFX was, was great. And I learned a lot and I, a huge amount about the process of how, you know, blockbusters are made and how, um, the things we were talking about earlier, starting to see how budgets move around, but then also how the, the artists actually do their jobs day to day. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of in a bit of a privileged position where I managed to float between those positions and, and, and talk to people who are well above my rank. Um, about how they do their jobs um, and uh, on a day-to-day basis, um, which was amazingly useful for me. But then it kind of got to the point where we were starting to see virtual reality headsets come out um, and started to think, well, this is this is amazing. This is the kind of like, so the guys that I formed the studio with, we are close friends from university We and we've always been really kind of, um, we were always for a long time called ourselves future crats. 
Um, but because always really, I never heard that. Um, <laughs> he was like, um, "What did I associate myself with?" We didn't, we didn't, we didn't actually brand ourselves as that. This was only an internal, um, internal see. name. But um, just a cool nickname that you and your friends made. It's a very yeah, cool. Well, a cool I mean, Logos is known for for their nick, the, the like inner culture on their nicknames. Like, I have like four different names. Lawrence <laughs> yeah. has like another four. It's all mm. this complicated. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, and you know, there's also like creative groups make their own nicknames, and James will appreciate me not talking about his, but maybe that's for another time. I really want to know. Um, no, we have to. Now, uh, unfortunately, yeah, we're gonna so... have to pause the entire narrative strain here. And just, <laughs> we need one, uh, one nick, one the most, the worst one, which is the worst. You, you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about, James. In the time when back in the old days when you had the red mohawk, there was that you had. Oh, you can say that. That's totally yeah. fine. No, I yeah, I used to have a, a, a collective with my friends called Burning Flames. I know, but it was spelled it? like flames was yeah. spelled with a, with a Z at the end. Yeah. <gasps> flames. How did I know? Yeah. I totally awesome. joked and I was yeah. right. Yeah, so, I mean, just, we are all predictable idiots. That's like you were talking about your like past oh, designing forum tags for people, like the forum yes. art. Did mm-hmm. I was Averno Seven? I mean, what do we expect? Mm. So mm. it was exactly around that time. Yeah. Um, yeah so, 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 sorry to jump back. <laughs> so go on. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. Thank back you. To the, to the futurecrats, was it? Futurecrats. Yeah, we we yeah. described that. But what I actually meant by that, and we never had a word for it, was basically that all of us were unbelievably excited about the future stuff. You know, we kind of futurists, I guess you'd say, but there was just an excitement that we needed to get there now. Um, and so, as soon as virtual reality headsets started coming out, it was it was like a mind fuck. It was like, oh my god, this is happening. This is the real thing. Um, and I, I remember pestering somebody uh, at the office to use theirs because they they bought a, a relatively expensive one when it came out, first came out, the first Oculus um, dev kit. And it was just amazing. And it totally changed everything. And I bought all the guys in the next day into my office for them to see it. Um, and that kind of like suddenly was like, oh, okay, right, this is now becoming real. This feels like I've actually moved my, you know, I've put my head through a portal and I've seen into the future. This is crazy. Um, and the sort of like like the possibility of it whilst that is now a very different view of it the possibility of the time was just like exploding my head um that that was now going to be a real thing i probably assumed that by now i'd be living in a suit 24 7 um, and only drinking (laughs) liquids through a straw and you know trench coat the whole time a trench coat (laughs) glasses without arms Um, those glasses would you say uh, that you 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 ate a a piece of cake with the dream of vr inside of it and it exploded inside exactly yeah yeah exactly what happened um but yeah so it was it was it was an amazing time um and that I kind of I didn't realize really at the time I knew I wanted to do it and I wanted to work with it and um, and that's realistically why we left um, the the film industry and moved um, to doing our own thing setting up the studio but it was also kind of the beginning for me really nicely of the journey back to the creative side of it which is something that I really kind of missed in um, no I really missed in in visual effects is that there's a you know you work with these huge teams and you. I'm sure you guys know from working on feature stuff, it's like you work in these massive teams, sometimes thousands of people to produce this thing. And it's great. And you can do some really good work on it. And I suppose actually you guys maybe have a slightly different view of it because you design stuff where you can really see it on the screen um, uh, eventually, hopefully, anyway. Um, but they, um, But then I think sometimes within visual effects, you find I found myself really being kind of mixed up within it and and feeling like a very small cog in a very big machine. Um, and I think mm. that was really some, for some, for some people that's okay. But I think for me, that was a, that if there was something missing, there was something that I kind of needed and I genuinely didn't know at the time it was, it was creativity. It was, it was to get back involved with what I w- had been doing before is, is coming up with ideas um, and working with people in a kind of really dynamic way to be like, well, let's make something amazing. Um, mm. And that kind of being able to flip from that back into, into the creative stuff, which now is, you know, this late, it's most latest culmination has been writing. This project has been incredible for me. It's been so good. 
um, to kind of return. You're welcome, Lawrence. To those. Oh, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, so it's been, I, I know this is, this is tangent, gone off on a massive tangent of what was going on. But no, it's great. That's kind of where it was. Um, for me, it's been amazing. And to, for, for kind of James to turn up at exactly the right time. I think for both of us, we're very lucky. To yeah, totally. Right I think that the timing was like something that, that sort of gets, I get like sometimes maybe when you explain it, like it gets lost in, in like how important the timing was. Like it was mm. because nobody like, if I were to approach No Ghost as a studio now, uh, they probably wouldn't do it. Or mm -hmm. like, because it required like everybody to be, hungry to do something interesting hungry to prove the world that they could do something interesting like the 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 vr needed to be enough of a malleable new thing for people to take risks making things that were not maybe like super clear or obvious what they were supposed to be you know towards the end so it was all about like that timing was like pretty <clears throat> crucial in order to make it to make it through i think like if 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 it were to happen a year or two before or after Mm -hmm. Both the industry and the studio and myself and everything would have been completely like off balance. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's true. I think it's it's a kind of there was that it was that perfect timing of having, you know, us being to, uh, established for just enough time to have a little bit of budget that we could put away, put on onto a project, because that was one of the big things and the big reasons um, behind why we set up the studios. We wanted to make our own stuff. You know that was that was the point. We, we we obviously always will do client work and want to do client work, but there is that's the kind of like that's yeah. But you guys, uh, this is there. something that I think we've never openly talked about. But you took a massive risk, huge risk, because I came out of nowhere. Yeah. With, like <laughs> I literally am the yeah. Spanish guy with long hair that comes out of nowhere and tells you, "I have this idea. We're gonna make a movie in mm. VR," <laughs> and you guys are like, "Yeah, let's do it." <laughs> like it was literally it was within 24 hours it was like yeah we'll do the commitment Lawrence has to go back to his teammates and be like some guy in a bar named Burning Flames with a Z <laughs> came up to yeah. me <laughs> you know, guys listen he had a red mohawk we can trust him this <laughs> <laughs> is financially viable <laughs> and that, that, that's insane like nobody yeah. would do that but again like it's one of those situations where it just required everybody to be at that stage in their careers to like mm. take those risks because mm. nobody yeah. would do that. Like, you know, yeah. I think that's the, that's the point though, isn't it really? That is that I don't think I wouldn't recommend taking that risk to everybody at all. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I think that sometimes, you know, that's without sounding too cheesy, that's, that's one of the big, you know, any, a lot of breakthroughs come from taking a big risk. Right. And sometimes it pays off and sometimes it doesn't. Um, mm. And you know this time i think it's paid off yeah it has paid yeah. off you know it definitely has and and that's like, like also like we we started this thing not not knowing what the end goal was was no. like we started like we're going to do a test we're doing a short film and then 4 years later we have a 45 minute thing in the oculus quest at a time where the oculus quest wasn't even didn't even exist no so <clears throat> there was a lot of things like we started a commitment and we didn't really know exactly how it was going to develop or what the end goal was. And it mm -hmm. went like, as the years passed, like we started like redefining what we wanted to do. And it became a very much like a, like a, um, intertwined, like artistic process. Like as much as it's easy to simplify it and say like, Oh, I had the idea and they made it. It, it is, it is literally like, mm. it has both DNAs like completely engraved in it because mm. it is the product of, working together and developing a friendship and developing like a professional relationship together through this project that it is what it is. Yeah. Chemistry in like when you, when, you know, when you think about production and the industries we're in collaboration is such an important aspect of it, but you can't ignore the chemistry of it. Like there is just serendipity to finding the right people to, to collaborate with to like, if you guys hadn't met, in a bar or whatever, and you didn't, you know, and if you had, you know, issues with red mohawks or something like that, this could <laughs> might have, may not have happened. But like, there is something to be said for just like, just hitting it off and being like, yeah, this is great. This is, this is exciting. Yeah. And then you'll yeah. move mountains to make it work. Cause that's, it takes, that, that's a huge gamble, really. Like, VR is so interesting, 
but it's not everybody's thing. You know, it's not, it's no, not a, a, a super safe bet either. And it's great to be able to find the person who's going to enable yeah. that and, and, and lift it up and celebrate it and push and make it better. It's really exciting. But so there was a moment when like, as we were working on it, like companies that we knew of closed. Yeah. Google spotlights closed. <laughs> like they, like there was, everybody was redefining what VR was supposed to be. And there was this thing where like we, you know, it, the whole thing evolved as the industry changed and, and, and like different players came in and somebody, some left. And so, you know, like it was a very dynamic process. Like, it's not like we were, well, yeah, anyway, I'm repeating myself, but like, yeah, it was very much like all part of the same process. But I think that is like, that's the value of a great producer or creative team truly is, is that match, you know, is, is like making it work, you know, and, and, and connecting the dot between a dream and, and like just a cool idea into production. It takes a hell of a lot of effort to get from point mm. A to point B and most mm. people don't make it. Um, sort of like to, to have the enthusiasm and, and the commitment to do it is, is really mm. major. And I think it's underappreciated. It's one of those roles that's hard to put your finger on, you know, yes. with concept art, you can say like, Oh, here's my, you can make an art book and be like, okay, this, I can see how this got made. But like behind the scenes, there's so much that is like, keeping everything rolling and uh it's you know easy to underappreciate because it's not i think the thing that a lot of people have a really clear idea on you know like mm -hmm. young artists and mm -hmm. creatives yeah. and and uh smart people are just like it's easy to not quite understand that role but like i know the value mm -hmm. of a great producer can be mm -hmm. dramatic you know like the, yeah, the influence of a really strong creative team and that includes production and that includes everything else behind the scenes that that's huge that's really valuable totally mm -hmm. yeah and it's something that like that kind of, even though, as James said a minute ago, it, for us, it felt like a long time. We, we, you know, we'd done the, the initial short film and then we'd spent a year and a half looking for funds to make something bigger. Um, actually, you know, I think there's another bit of luck there and, and luck really does come into it is, yeah. is the fact that it got funded at all in the end, because yeah. there is, you know how many how many stories do you hear of people pitching scripts around Hollywood for ten years, fifteen years, the yeah. same script, and sometimes that script get gets picked up after a couple of months. Sometimes it's after fifteen years, mm -hmm. but the large majority of them never get picked up. And mm -hmm. that's the kind of so I you know I can it's that kind of pitching process was a hard slog for us, but I can't imagine the tenacity and the kind of uh, the resilience of the people that that stick by that idea for ten years. Jeez. And they repitch it, and they repitch it, and they might drop it for a, a season or two, but then they're coming back with it. Yeah, um, that is that is crazy to be in the mm -hmm. sense of it is so so enviable in this, it, in in truth. It's something I'd I'd like to think I could do that. I'm not sure I could I could push it that far. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's in art. There are certain things where you just have to like step back and look at the the person and admit like there's something very particular about that person that creates mm -hmm. that art. You know, there's something very particular about the alchemy and like the kind of personality that sticks with something for 15 years, even though there's <laughs> no sign of success or breakthrough. Um, and that's, that's something, you know, like, I don't know what that is yeah. or I, I know I don't have it. <laughs> I know like that's <laughs> not uh, me, but I wanted to ask, so like, as you're talking about the project adapting, um mm. and kind of moving with the different tides i mean you guys had more to adapt to than even just the like kind of risk of vr and like you had 2020 <laughs> to adapt to <laughs> in the course of that um and i guess i wonder like with all of this obviously it's it's a success it's great and the reviews sort of bear that out and you know james's like tour of different festivals the nominations and stuff like that that's amazing <laughs> like um but with the fact that like at just as it was taking off like covid hit and you guys had to adapt the production to unforeseen circumstances do you what was that like and then also like do you mourn a version of the project where that didn't happen like what do you envision changed or could have been different you're making me so sad. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, no. I mean, it seemed like, yeah, like the, the, there was a moment where I remember like I almost got to tears because there was a moment about when we are about to finish. I was just just before I went to to France for the Annecy Festival, we had people in the office to check the project out. Yeah. It was still not 100% finished, but it was finished enough that people could watch it. 
and it was the first time that the animators had been in the office. It was the first time, and because we, we were doing some of the behind the scenes shots and stuff like that. And and there was this great chemistry and this great energy around, and everybody was laughing and looking at each other. And there was a, and Alina, one of the animators, said like, "Imagine where it would have been if we were all in, here in the office." And I, yeah. I literally had to like my heart stopped for a minute. I was like, "Oh fuck!" Man. I just like this. <laughs> yeah. There's a version of this of this struggle. I'm not saying that all the problems were COVID specific because they weren't. There's a lot of like all the things yeah. that we had to deal with, but because it it you end up building a family around a project like this because yeah. everybody does the work that they do and everybody did like way more than it was expected of them. So yeah, yeah. when you are in that space with these people working and, and you are doing the same thing, it, it does really build up that like sense of like camaraderie and family and like, and that we didn't have any of that. And, and I know for a fact that, that some pe people on the team like were having a very hard time just feeling that they were gluing with the rest of the team just because there was no, no way to create like an, an atmosphere where like, you know, as much as we wanted to communicate with everybody after a call, everybody's alone at home in yep. their own apartment. So that, that was a very hard thing. So yeah, like answering to one of your questions, like, yeah, there's, I do more in a version where I get to look at all these beautiful people that gave their time in their eyes and like thank them every single fucking day that they're, mm. they're doing it. And mm. I, don't, I don't think we'd be, I think we'd be naive to say, that it would, would necessarily be better the project, but it would definitely no. be different. Yeah, I don't know what it, how it would be different, but it would be um, for sure. Because as, as James says, as, you know, within five minutes of the animators coming in, and and anybody else, to be honest, the, the chemistry's back straight there again. Mm. Um, you know, we're lucky to have a really nice office. It's this, you know, the sun's out and people coming in, and, and and obviously the 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 particular joy at the moment of people not having seen people in a room for a long time coming in and and in a work situation and, and and having a you know having a laugh with people and uh, and smiling together and appreciating the work that everybody's been doing and how hard it's been for everybody else that those are really special moments um mm. and it would have been lovely if we could have you know had everyone in for maybe just the last quarter or something like that that would have been yeah. great um and but i, I think well, well technically uh, I, you go first sorry finish <laughs> what you're gonna say <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just gonna say that that just before we go into into sort of what were the the specific difficulties of the COVID thing is one of the mm. things that is that a lot of the burden of fixing things and fixing problems like like was narrowed down to like one individual at like eight p.m. in their apartment mm. trying to figure out how to solve this one problem instead of being able to take that hit as like a group of people that were yeah. like hey we got to deal with this part of the interaction or this part of the, the shader or the story, this doesn't work. And, you know, you, you couldn't just like stand up and look at everybody and be like, okay, can we just group up for 10 minutes, discuss this? What mm -hmm. do you guys think? Test it. It was like, you know, to me or to Lawrence or to Flab, who was our CG supervisor, like this doesn't work. It needs to be figured out by tomorrow. You're on your own. And yeah. those moments were very lonely and very hard to, to do, to deal with. Cause that's the thing you are in your own, apartment like with very little creativity because you haven't been fed like you know anything you're just like in yeah. this in this bubble and having to face those things alone was probably one of the hardest like indirect things of the COVID. it's just yeah. that that is that was a tricky one morale is so underappreciated and so hard to def uh, so hard to like uh, you know like when you're, you know when you're in a team and you're in the hardest part of a project right there right like at the end of a project is always technical problems and renders are going wrong, at least in my world or interactions or whatever mm -hmm. else. That's a really tough position because all the fun creative choices are kind of done. Now you just got to make it all work together and look good. <laughs> and it's always like detail oriented kind of difficult things that are going wrong. But that's exactly where I think being part of a team, like being a director or a producer or an art director or whatever it is, or just being the friend of the person next to you is like, you can see when they're kind of spiraling and when they need help and when they just yeah. need to like take a break and you can see it in their eyes and like, put your hand on the shoulder and kind of snap them out of it or, or offer to help or whatever it is. Those moments in a collaborative team are so valuable. Mm. It's the one thing. And I haven't had the burden of working on a, on a project really over COVID as a, like, that's, that's, I'm kind of thankful for mm. not having to, to shoulder <laughs> that honestly, but like uh, that has to be the biggest loss I think 
in my mind at least obviously there's so much difficult stuff that had to happen over the last year and a half but like mm. to me it's like that human part is just so missing mm. from from like the yeah. really hardest part of a, of a project like you just want to be yeah. able to like go out for beers and like just you know just bitch about stuff together i think it's so <laughs> crucial that was really one yeah. of the most important parts of working in a team for me it was like mm. you know you're not alone you've got your kind of your your brothers in arms you know going through this stuff together it's hard yeah i think just to add to all of everything you guys are saying i think one of the really difficult things about just video call teams yeah. and generally is that you know you can get on there and it's, it's different if you know someone really well like if james come on comes onto a camera and i say how you doing he says i'm fine obviously i know straight away if he's not fine yeah um <laughs> but when you when you've only known someone over a camera to begin with especially mm-hmm. And uh, you and your relationship is based on video calls and you ask someone, are they fine? And they say, yes, you, you can, t- you know, you, you should believe that obviously, but you, well, the difficult thing I found was you, but when that camera goes off and, and the call's over, that person may be having an awful time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of people won't speak up about that. And yeah, they may not want to be a burden yeah. or make it about them. There's, you know, absolutely. But still, sometimes they need help, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, and I definitely don't think we would, we handled that perfectly. I don't, I think it was too much of a surprise for anyone to really handle that perfectly. Mm. Um, mm. I think there's a way that now we could learn to do better. And I think obviously that's, that's great now that everybody has, is starting to realize, okay, it's great working from home, but there are really some crucial things that we need yeah. for a project to number one, be fun. Number two, take care of people. And number three, succeed. Mm. Um, because that is, a totally different thing to the way that you kind of like you got you got a lot of that for free didn't you in, in a studio mm-hmm. when you're in the studio with loads of people like you say the atmosphere the collaboration the, the moments at the pub that's that kind of like it's not even taking it for granted but you just got a load of stuff for free your, your team yeah. took a bit more care of itself mm-hmm. um whereas that's not quite so possible when it when it's a remote production and that but that's one of the things that really, that was one of the things i think actually worked really well is that we transitioned technically to being remote extremely smoothly yeah it just that's, that's kudos to you guys because it was like within like three days we were online mm. and everybody was working it was really quick mm. yeah that was like that made it very easy yeah like the one thing i'm gonna say just to like to like nail the last the last hit is mm. that there was something that craig our produ- our line producer said um you know, he, when we're talking about like some of these meetings and stuff, it's like, well, yeah, like that the 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 job of a director is not just to tell people what to do, but it's also to, to somewhat like create an atmosphere around the project, a culture around the project that facilitates mm-hmm. communication, where everybody understands what they're going to do, and there's a specific, you know, sense of like that chemistry, that alchemy that we've been talking about. I'm like, yeah, I can do that in person, but like, there's so many gifts I can send on Slack at a, a day to like make everybody laugh all the time. Like it's just this, it's just very limiting as a tool. Like I just, it's very hard to like not be able to, mm. to see them, to touch them, to buy them coffee, to like make a joke, to yeah. like share moments with everybody, to have those one-on-ones. And that made it hard. And I, and that's the one thing that I, I sort of really, I really wish like that, that, you know, I don't necessarily wish like I could have done better, but it's just that thing that like, I just, it was just hard. It was hard enough to just be alone all the time, to then being able to understand how to make the best type of communication around everybody through the team in different countries. Because we're talking with people in the U.S., in France, and in England, and in Spain. So it just like it was this hectic. Like like I didn't have more than 10, 15 minutes with anybody. That's like one of those things that I just like. Yeah, ah, I just wish. But no, I mean, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. As the um, resident shitty pirate freelancer uh of the group (laughs) (laughs) um uh i guess like i i wonder too like uh as a counterpoint to the you know what was lost but like do you feel like there were anything anything gained by the work from home experience or like because it's been something that i've been doing for like 10 years and a lot of the (laughs) stuff we're talking about is like stuff that i'm like oh i've had Mm. great project experiences and never had any of these like hand on the shoulder, going out to get coffee, hanging out at the right, pub moments. Right. Um, I feel like some of the positions, maybe writing specifically, like is does does that benefit from uh, being remote or working from home? Do you have more quiet time or more focus in that sense? Uh, yeah, I definitely found that. I mean, t- to be honest, my 
my whole career I've been pretty until this really I've been pretty sure that I needed to be in that situation where everybody's about and things are happening and people are bouncing ideas off of each other and, and laughing all the time I'm you know I, I thrive on that mm. um, but I actually found very specifically when writing uh, of any kind whether that be creative copywriting whatever it is um, there needs to be you I feel like you do need that space in some way um, and with some of the, you know, that was that was very much like, so the way that a lot of the way we worked was me and James would um, meet up. Weirdly, I, if, if in my memory, it was always very late at night. I don't really know why. <laughs> but I have a lot of memories of us being in the dark in the courtyard um, shouting yeah, at each other. Because we, we always um, stay after work like at 6 p.m. when anybody's left. Like, we'll just be in the yes, courtyard just having yeah. a beer and just like screaming there's no way Lola would do that. Like, there's no way Lola would do this sort of stuff. Yeah. And we're like arguing yeah. for the story and the plot. And like, we don't have yeah. a fucking mystery, Lawrence. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That is, that's exactly how it went, to be honest. Um, and uh, and so we do that. And we have a really good, like, all, you know, argument into the early hours and then go away. And, uh, and I yeah. spend some time alone. And James would spend some time alone working on different bits, um, whether that's at, at home or in the studio or in the cafes. Um, and then come back together and do it again. And so I think actually once once coronavirus enforced that, <laughs> it then became uh, actually to be honest, it, it was a bit of a lifesaver. To be honest, I think there was something made. It was nice to be writing and to have that to do when I was alone, mm -hmm. um, because I say alone. I did have a housemate, but you know, most of the day alone at the desk. Um, but there was the housemate was actually the art director of the project, by the way. Um, <laughs> so there was some crossover. Um, but uh, yeah, was, so we spent a lot of time. Uh, well, I spent a lot of time, to be honest. And also our co-writer, Lydia, um, she um, we both spent a lot of time recording the voices um, ourselves. So for a long time, in fact, more than more than has been now, um, where God Leave has been the voice of Lola. I was the voice of Lola. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that that's to to for if, if anything this that there was definitely a moment where covid forced a little bit of ingenuity to like have to like develop to get some stuff done and that was one of it where like i was editing every like so because we didn't have access to like the edit like i ended up taking out of the editing sort of the animatic editing of everything and the timing with the music and all that stuff and then just having the microphone and Lawrence having the microphone and Lydia as well, like getting everybody's lines and recordings. And I was doing Foley in my, in my, in my, in this room. Like, <laughs> like I was tapping on the table and I was doing yeah. all these different sounds to like put it in. That was a moment where like, it was really fun. That was but cool. Going, yeah. yeah, that was really cool. But going back to what you were saying, Nick, like there's definitely like certain parts of the production that if not the same, they work pretty much like very similarly long distance that they would do it like in a studio anyway. Like mm -hmm. for the art department, for example, like and and like talking to the modelers, for example, like that, because the 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 consequences of their of their work are just one, which is passing it to the next department. But there's really no no you know there's nothing that can really go wrong with like uh, a three D model, an OBJ, or a JPEG file, or mm -hmm. a design. So those things like it's easy to have it like with like long distance because you know Fanny, who's the production designer and Juancho and myself we were just like you know we knew what we needed to do so if there was a card to be designed it would just be a matter of like you know some communication some basic emails maybe a, a quick call getting it done and it, and off it goes so in that regard it actually made it like really fast I think because sometimes it forced to it forced all of us in the sort of um, um, supervising chairs to not be to not being able to be too um, nitpicky or to be like too sure. on top of anybody yeah. because we just have to like get the stuff like approved and get done. And and, and also like his communication is just, like, if you, it basically made, you, you know that rule that if you, if you're not willing to write an email about it, don't say it. <laughs> is that, you know, like sometimes people like, when you're in person, like people like like to talk a little bit too much because it's so easy to yeah. throw your opinion around. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it okay. sort of made it like much more efficient in terms of communication because like unless it was really necessary, we wouldn't like be going back and forth. Right. So in that regard, and then again, like for the music, for example, the sound design, like there's a lot of things that 
were perfectly fine just like being long distance. When it came down to like the developers and the animators and the CG people, that became much more tricky because all those departments are like intrinsically connected. Yeah. yeah. Um, all the rigging, all the animation, all the CG stuff, all that stuff mm. is just like one giant brain, just like throwing synapses from one another. Mm. Uh, and they, I think, had a harder time just like maneuvering that. But yeah, like, they, they, like there was definitely like, up, like, uh, upside to to being to being long distance because it's easier to just like lay down what everybody needs to do. They get it done. You don't get on the way, and it makes things really quick. Um, but yeah. again, like you don't get to hug them at the end, which is kind of the fun part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there's also the kind of like you have the opposite people, right? You have, um, you know, Nick. I assume being one of them is that someone. Some people get quite stressed in studios. <laughs> some people yeah. don't like that you know yeah. um and and to to allow those people if they need to to be at home um it's always been something actually we've you know we've encouraged but also it's it's just like it's so it sort of went as an unspoken like ex- expectation i guess is that you're part of the team and you're in the office mm-hmm. um but I know there are people on our team that have really thrived being able to to really focus at home um, and I think obviously as many people have spoken about during the pandemic is that they probably worked some extra hours without realizing or, or, or just worked some extra hours because there wasn't much else to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. Um, but, but I think there are some people who really got in, into an a- absolute zone. I mean, some of our animators were kicking out in huge, huge frame <laughs> counts a day, ridiculously high quality animation. Um, so they were, you know, there's some people that really, really managed to focus with it. So I think it's one of those, like, it's, it's a classic thing when something this big happens, right? Is that there's, it's a swings and roundabouts situation is some people really thrived in it and some people really suffered. Um, mm-hmm. and in the middle, you try and find a good balance of that and, and maybe use what we've kind of learned from, especially during this production and, and, and try and feed all the good things into the future um hmm. and be totally. yeah uh, and just try and be better because of it yeah i mean it sounds as we talk about like the the team vibe in a in a space like that's incredible when the team is great you know and yeah. like i would love a hug from james but like there are definitely people <laughs> that i've worked one. with Don't worry. that probably would love to hug <laughs> i would not want to get a hug you know what i mean like all of us yeah but I imagine, yeah, for for people who have like a positive, like yeah. a really great team and a really great connection with the people around them, that's great. But sometimes you just love the work and you don't love the office experience, you know, like the the yeah, mix in studio or that's that. Well, there's that one guy who's just like always hovering, and you're like, I just I need to just just shower often. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, totally. but is that? But it, there is definitely a conversation of like how many days do people need to be in the office anyway? Like totally, you could make it easily like a two day in the office, three day at home type of deal where mm-hmm. you communicate yeah. stuff, you plan the week ahead, you you throw communications around, you go home, you do your work, and then you come back on Friday to catch up with everybody, make sure that everything's fine. You know, you make it like more much more dynamic. I think like that's definitely a conversation that probably a lot of people are having right now, mm-hmm. um, and I would definitely have it. Like I I the idea of commuting for a designing job, you have to really argue like really convince me to get into like a two hour tube <laughs> to go to your studio for you to tell me what to draw. If you can just send her an email. Totally. Yeah, actually just right. to run back to something we talked about earlier with the, I think there was a, just a change in the way that like, I think the difficult thing as well was that people had to, it's something that obviously there was a lot, there was a lot of discussion about it, especially online and on social media and stuff like that is that you had to, adjust to production whilst knowing that absolutely everybody in the team was adjusting their personal life too. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a totally, it's difficult when someone moves house, right. And they, and they, and obviously you want to do everything you can to make sure that they can have the space to do that. Um, uh, because trying to move in the evenings around work is really difficult. And then you have to take holiday days to do that. Um, if you don't move at the weekends or, but, but being able to, but knowing that absolutely everybody on there is dealing with stuff. All at mm, once, right? It was, a, it was a strange feeling. I think I, you, I'm sure everyone had that. Whoever was working on a, on a team at any point there, is that you know everybody here is going through something. You know, some yeah. others worse, others worse than others. But um, 
that was a really you know that's kind of for me as part of the like writing process i was saying that i was doing a lot of recording of the voices um for me it became this this like great thing that i jump up every day i had this microphone set up in front of my window looking out into the garden hmm. um like a good morning vietnam sort of moment where i just like <laughs> well i turn the microphone on and i'd spend the whole day just recording on the microphone um uh, the, the 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 lines that we were working on because for me that was that kind of links back to that kind of that was always been the way I I this the only way for me seems to be to write dialogue is to do it myself hmm. um, and in this case not even dialogue a monologue um, because hmm. um, I know you guys haven't seen it yet but basically it's a forty five minute monologue um, right. is is what it is and that became that's already you know quite a challenge to, to in any way keep that interesting um to and mm. to keep it moving and to not go too introspective the whole time to make sure that the story's progressing and to do and to, but to be there doing that every day was amazing because it means i could just you know i could go to the kitchen make a coffee and then storm back into my room with the mic recording and and roll and you know and roll the lines that I wanted to work on that day and and I kind of lived them in front of the in, in front of the microphone mm. and I mm. could never have done that at the studio because people would be, people would be livid if I was just <laughs> busting the door down and screaming into a microphone all morning. Um, <laughs> One mug of coffee just in your boxers, just like <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. But that was for me. That was freeing. That was a real nice like kind of. That was one mm. of the big moments for me that really turned it all around. Mm. Is to be like, right, I'm, this is what I'm doing now, and that was that was mm. brilliant. There is something to say for flow, you know, like yeah. uninterrupted flow. I think is uh, is a. It's kind of a magical thing that you can't really control, and it's sometimes hard in an office. It just is, you know. Mm. People are just going to like be asking you for nonsense or constantly emailing and expect you to be available at all times. Yeah. It's like there That's is really the something yeah. to be said for flow. You know, you can get twice as much done in, in a short period of time. Yeah. You can just constantly. One hundred percent. I want to touch on like what Lawrence was talking about the monologue. There's something that, and you talking about flow about something else, but it's kind of connected. Is the one of the things that I'm the most impressed slash proud of having accomplished with the project is that we've made a monologue, but we we factored in early on the idea that because she's kind of having a conversation with a, a, someone that is a player, right? So when, but when we are writing it, we don't know who's going to play it. So we're writing this dialogue, expecting the player to react to it <laughs> the way that you would react to a normal conversation. But all of that was guess. Like we were guessing it was going to work. Because in our because it's what we would do, but and that's mm -hmm. something that comes with VR is that so much of what you're doing because it's so like there's so much territory that is like foggy and you don't really know exactly if, if your ideas are gonna work because you you don't have enough of a library to sort of figure it out if prior. And now one of my happiest things like when when I see people play it and they ev every single person talks to, back to Lola, <laughs> and it is the best feeling in the world because it's a pre-recorded voice of a animated like keyframe character but everybody answers to her like thank you hello sorry and as yeah. she's talking <laughs> they talk to her back as if she was someone in front of them and that's i think one of the 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 early bets that we that we took with the mm. the style of the so one of the narrative vehicles for the project and i'm very happy that we succeeded on that because so much of it was betting on on those fe those scenes like feeling dynamic because like i said mm. like when when lauren says like it's a 45 minute monologue there's really like half like maybe like half an hour of a monologue and then 50 minutes of this invisible conversation happening that it seems to be working like at least 80 percent of the time like everybody's just following back with it and i'm i'm really happy with that so just so you know lawrence that's on you that's very cool. <laughs> Thanks. Do you think that's, do you think like in terms of the dialogue and being able to record it, do you think, is there anything mm. about the writing of it that benefited from you being able to like speak it out loud? Does anything come out differently? You're like, oh, that doesn't seem conversational. Maybe we change totally. it this way. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. That's that, that's for me, that's why it has to feel natural. Yeah. Um, and I think that there are people who can, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's people out there who can write dialogue perfect the first time sure um but there are definitely people who can write it and just write it and they just mm. keep writing and rewrite it and they get it really right but for me it has to it has to be said um mm. there's no way and i say it again and again and again learn the lines um 
and then try it in a load of different ways, get really angry, um, and then you know, and then usually find the solution um, <laughs> after the anger, um, because that's and that that is it. You have to be. It had to, to be natural, especially in this situation, because as James said, there's this kind of visceral connection that 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 is there in virtual reality, but we were very much trying to lead into. We wanted mm. to create someone who would who people would talk back to, even if they weren't necessarily going to properly acknowledge them. Um, we there was that kind of that feeling of we, we, the whole one of the whole things we wanted to make in the in that monologue and in the character of Lola is that we want you to come away liking her. Uh, and I don't just mean liking her like relating to a protagonist, but like liking her in the sense of oh, I'd like to spend some time in a room with this person. Um, and we can chat about stuff and, um, you know, I hope she succeeds in whatever she wants to do. Mm. Um, mm. And that managed to, and, and so that kind of conversational style, which is something you do a lot, right? When we, when, um, I mean, this, it's probably happening now when, when we're talking, there's stuff that, you know, kind of you, um, uh, you constantly look for validation off of other people, um, even if it's just somebody just, uh, you know, going, hmm. Um, yes, or something I agree. Like that. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. I agree with your point. Um, we do indeed. Yes, exactly. So, um, and to kind of like that was a big thing for us to kind of create that and, and make a, a space for you to do that. Um, mm. And that was that was definitely exciting. Um, now, and, yeah, that's something that, that doing. talking yeah. about like about the animator that the animators really, yeah, is smart about some of these movies because so much of the you know like. It's is that crossover between like a narrative, like a, a fully narrative normal scene, and then and a game, right? So you need to create those idols where you're waiting for the player to do what they have to do, so the character can get back to what she's supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. But they were they were always like very careful to like make sure that they embedded those idols with like a specific, you know, like she would feel insecure if you wouldn't reply to her or, or like would she be playing with her fingers or would she be like getting nervous with her hair like there was always an intention to like create some like emotional reason why the idol would be the way that it was hmm. like given the, the the scene and in all those moments also the fact that we managed to well they like Nogos managed I didn't do any of this but they <laughs> they made his her eyes to be able to do eye darts to you exactly to where your eyes are so it create because she's looking at you directly, it creates this like very visceral human response where like I feel like people really forget that she's not like an animated character because she's she if it really feels like she's aware that you are there. Mm -hmm. So it just makes it so people like even pose in a way that they don't want to make her fuck. I don't know. It's just I I'm just mm. for for people that haven't played it, it this might also seem like just weird stuff, but it is it is something that that i'm personally very proud of having played some vr like presence is such a it's such a new thing you know like you know having worked in cg and stuff you don't have to think about it you know it's it's not really one of the ingredients in the mix but mm -hmm. that was the biggest difference was scale and presence and the feeling of like a person in the room and not just a character is a really hard thing to mm -hmm explain until you've experienced it and it is really beautiful and incredible and kind of uncomfortable at times because it <laughs> feels yeah. a little bit like I'm, I'm like imparting life into something that i know is not there but i can't deny that i'm bonding with a thing that isn't really aware of me it is it is pre-programmed and yet i'm still falling for yeah. it and it is a really <laughs> shocking um it's in, an incredible bit of magic when it's done right and it's uh it's, it's it that, to be it's that element of I remember like when we were doing it, I remember having this thought that it's almost like, because people, everybody tries to create parallels between film and VR. Yeah. I don't really know why, because they're very different things. Yeah. And there's this fear that, it's gonna, that VR is going to replace film and it's not, it's, it's just yeah. a completely different thing. Yeah. But mm. when you're in a film, watching a film, sorry, um, this because of the distance, like the detachment from what's going on and the fact that you're seeing it in a frame, it's almost like what you're actually seeing is a recollection or a, or a reenactment of the things that actually happen in the movie. You know, there's always that element yeah. of like, this is not happening in real time. It's artifice. Yeah. But, but it's, 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 it's been captured and then I'm seeing the result yeah. of that captured. This feels like everything is happening in real time because yeah. you are present in the same space as the stuff is being unfolded. Mm -hmm. So it creates this 
engagement that you don't get with film where like people actually like are the 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 anxiousness or the the hurriness for to do things to happen it actually is like you are there it's very visual very physical yeah. process mm. wow it's sort of the, it's kind of the, i think it's sort of the same difference between when you read a story or you watch a story in, that, that's told from the first or the third person right and i don't have a word for it but it's just there's something different the, the perspective is different whether you're just stood there or whether you're sat in a chair watching it or you're sat in a virtual theater watching it whatever it may be um there is just a slight a difference to it and it is difficult to mm. put a word to it but pre presence is obviously one of those massive things and that kind of like you say that kind of feeling of that slightly can be slightly uncomfortable sometimes for me obviously that is that's something that's really exciting about mm -hmm. the whole medium that's I, I've described it many times to James, especially as as it feels like a bit of a wild west. Like there's no rules. You can <laughs> you can you know you can make them up. Um, that's sometimes when, when Lawrence work. the Maverick was born. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what I mean. They um, well, you know, like the language of film had to be developed over many years. Like exactly, yeah. or the Nine yeah. Old yeah, Men yeah. had to develop animation principles like mm. you guys are doing it's, that yeah. in vr in real time you're figuring it out sounds very pretentious to to give ourselves the badge of like <laughs> we are pushing but it it, it is that yeah it's no but inevitable. i'm saying everyone can i'm not saying yeah. i'm saying yeah exactly that's it's like, not just me anyone can do it well, anyone and can. anybody that at this point anybody that does anything in vr is being groundbreaking mm -hmm. because there's no <laughs> rules for anything so yeah. even if you're doing and, the most simplest thing but is that is the same way that you were saying like in film the first films were people shoot, like re like recording a theater play, and then slowly the camera detached itself from the mm -hmm. tripod and they moved the camera in and they did close-ups and and slowly a language was developed that was unique. And the language of editing by putting two unrelated scenes next to each other can create a new context. Yeah, yeah. so all this yeah, stuff. Absolutely. So it slowly gets developed. So mm -hmm. in that regard, like as much as we took from all the people that came before us like doing stuff in VR and that's where like they, all the people that did work for Google Spotlights like to me are like those giants in which we are like stepping on and then you know whoever takes what we've done and they see like oh I like what they did but I see it going even further than just like go ahead and do it because I that's I really think that VR is going to be one of those mediums where a lot of the very interesting stuff that's going to happen in, in narrative mediums is going to happen in VR. Yeah, because it's really where people can like really blow your mind with crazy ideas that you could never even think about. Yeah, and that kind of like that's for that's I've said it's that's part of the excitement for me. But I really think there is something to. It's it's hard to describe until you give it a go in terms of actually trying to create something with it. It's like how how the how the hell do I tell a story with this? Um, because there's there's rules you can take from theater you could take some things from film and, and and you know and just classic storytelling but there's also this suddenly you've got this whole massive gamut of things you could never do before mm -hmm. um which in a lot of ways is very daunting and and can send you down a huge amount of blind alleys mm -hmm. um because there's just so much that can be done and you 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 end up kind of there's a lot of times to be honest without the process we end up confused Mm. yeah like is this working I don't, I don't know if this is working at all because i can't really tell um, are we doing and... this just because we can or because the story needs it right so yeah. all these sort of questions like actually early on one of our main assignments early on was kind of defining the limits like what are like where do we put walls that we cannot cross because otherwise it just becomes that like mush of like unfocused experience that doesn't tell you anything not to make this too VR centric, but for anybody who's played VR, like Boneworks is kind of one of those things where it's, it, it's like a VR playground. You can play with guns and reload them and it's got all the full, you can do everything you could possibly ever hope to do with a kind of a playground of VR tech techniques. And it's cool, but it's like at some point it's just, what do you do? What's the, what's the hook? What's the fun part? Mm -hmm. And it is, it's interesting in its own right. I'm not, you know, saying it's bad, but it's like, there is a core loop and a core engagement that I think is you want to focus on to make sure that like, you're not mm. overwhelmed. You're not just like the, the solution to, to a puzzle or a problem isn't everything under the sun. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's a certain number of things that feel right for right, the character, for the right. story and for the interaction. How, how often this is maybe a non sequitur, but I'm just super curious. It's just occurred to me as we're talking about like planning out VR, how often does sleep no more get tossed around? in the vr world hmm. 
the theater um, experience. Yeah, so Punch Shrunk comes up a lot. Yeah. Um, generally, I Sleep No More, obviously being one of their most well-known ones, um, and it does. Yeah, so I mean that that's the thing. So immersive theater is something that, and and theater generally is yeah. just definitely something that is more, um, I guess, analogous with virtual reality than I'd say film is, mm-hmm. um, because you do have that, like you say, there's a sense of presence and you're and you're there, and things are happening around you, and it could potentially be affected by you. Um, and that so that there's a huge amount of similarity there, and that's a good that's a good um, reference point, right? There's a lot of things that theatre and especially immersive theatre have solved, that, or or at least made a good attempt at solving. Mm. Um, mm. And there's and and that's the kind of like those are good shoulders to stand on as well. And they do get they do talk, you know, especially Sleep No More gets thrown around a lot because of the moving through different environments, the possibility of seeing a different story to the people you're with. Um, yeah, it's it's I think it's it's, it's thrown around around it's thrown around because one is semi well known and two is probably the shortest jump that anybody that has never done VR has to do to understand what it is. Like if you've oh, never that, done VR, that's I would say, have you done immersive theater? Yes. Well it's 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 probably the closest thing you're gonna get to VR. Right. Um right. so it's just that's why it's used because it's a way for like not to sound you know, insulting, but like the layman, like layman yeah. people. Is that no, how you it's say exactly, it? that's what yeah. yeah. Like yeah. It, it's something that they will understand. It yeah. lets you into the understanding of the the medium in a way that maybe, hmm. you know, I think it's 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 not condescending in any way. I think it's it's like we need ways of like understanding how something works, and sometimes, especially if something's emerging, like a a project or a game or a movie or whatever, will come out and begin to define a style or a way of doing it, you know, it just mm, becomes a byword, yeah. you know, and then you, <laughs> I mean, in video games, it's like, you just get like a, uh, what's it called? Like a roguelike or, uh, uh, um, Castlevania, like, uh, Metroidvania, you know, kind of yeah. becomes a, a term yeah, yeah. and it's defined by it's like just these iconic examples that emerge. And I feel like in VR, like those are still, to come in some ways, you know, like oh, those totally, icons yeah, are still ahead definitely. of that define like, and for, for theater, like sleep no more is like a byword where you're just like, Oh, you Macbeth is happening in a house and you enter it <laughs> and you, you know, with a group of people and everybody wanders into a different room and gets to experience a different like facet of Macbeth in yeah. a different room. And mm-hmm. wouldn't that be an, uh, like that, just explaining it in a single sentence, it's like an incredible elevator pitch. Right. Like yeah. you put on a mask, you arrive like <laughs> under cover of darkness, you enter this space <laughs> and you experience a story happening all around you and you get to decide which room you walk into next and, and how that unfolds for you. And I'm sold. Like I'll buy tickets based on that sentence alone. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, so I feel no, it's like great. There's, there's but something. That's the thing. Without, without these, some of these words, like it really feels like, have you, have you ever had one of those friends that who tried acid and tries to explain you how he feels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and but you just have no way of like relating to it because yes. you've never done it. So totally. it's that's how sometimes when talking about VR feels like you are explaining to somebody how an ayahuasca trip works, and they have no frame of reference to even begin to understand how that feels. So it's sometimes where like it's weird when you're talking about VR because a, a lot of people still are in that state where they just don't they don't get it. Mm. But hopefully it's, it's starting to change. And, and and that's, I think, where, like, I mean, and I, I know this for a fact because they told us, but Oculus, I think, like, saw the value on Madrid Noir precisely because it, it attracts a different type of audience. Mm. It gets, like, the, what they call the story seekers, which is sort of people that are not necessarily gamers, that they have an interest on technology, they have an interesting narrative stuff, and they want to see how that really can be used to tell the stories, and they sort of mm. look for weird experiments. Um I think that's something that that um, sort of played on our favor. Yeah, Talking about sort of people, yeah. they're the sort of people who would go to sleep no more. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, they're looking for they're looking for absolute. You know, no one. You can't really deny that almost everybody likes a story. However, that story is told and whatever that mm. story is about, almost everybody likes a story. It's so important to who we are and um, and how you create memories. You know, somebody said in the book I was reading recently that 
memories are just stories. You take a few little points and you build a story around it. Um, and when you think back on a memory, that's not at all what's stored in your memory. What's stored in your memory is like the shoe you were wearing, but no like motion of you walking in it. But then you create right. that story when you think about mm -hmm. it, right? And that's so your memory is the story. And, and so everybody likes that and everyone's used to a story. And so that's like kind of, it's finding, I think it's interesting to find those ways to tell people's stories in totally new ways. And, and this is one of them um that the, there's that almost everybody out there and it's like a it's a sort of an untapped resource that pretty much any film and television actually i guess taps um yeah but is, i mean those... we, we are we now live in a world where everybody calls themselves like a like a storyteller like even cool. like oh, marketing course. people yeah, yeah, and everybody's yeah. like story, yeah story, if you story. make a beer <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're telling a story I'm a, I'm... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I'm a storyteller with with IPA. But it's, it's the great skit in like, have you guys seen? We haven't talked about this, but I'm assuming you're watching because it's great and and you have great taste. But the Bo Berman's like um, yeah. inside, inside thing, yeah. he's got this great bit where he's just talking about that, like how important it is to like for brands to create these narratives around themselves and yeah. like what they sell and how they sell it and who what like what's the story. And um, but that's the thing. It's like I'm, I'm assuming you were gonna go to Lawrence. Is that that idea that like that's the reason why everybody wants to be a storyteller because they're really, everybody's realizing that they are the <laughs> source of so much like it's power. just like a source of energy right mm. yeah. they yeah. wield so much social power they <laughs> really, make a really... lot of money by telling someone the right <laughs> story but that's the thing they realize that storytelling yeah. is the tool is that there's nothing wrong with storytelling is but they realize that the more they use it the more people engage with it because we are our brains are built in a way that that storytelling is like our fucking cocaine like we just yeah. love it <laughs> so much it's everything it's there's a there was a brilliant uh, the book i was referring to there a minute ago in case you guys are interested it's called transcendence by Great gaia book. vince and it's just amazing it's it's a kind it's a sort of like in the same vein as um sapiens, sapiens. if you've heard of it a lot okay. of people have um, is in this idea that we rely on certain things for our um, that our evolution has been caused specifically by certain things, and she argues that culture is 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 this thing, and um, and stories being the central part of that culture um, of why physically we evolved the way we are, not just socially as well. And this it's, mm. it's brilliant. I'd recommend it to anyone. That sounds great. I, I feel like that's maybe a good place to leave it. What do you guys think? One, once I put the music on and it's just fading <laughs> yeah. out, yeah. it's going to sound like... It's going to sound yeah. so good. And that's the end of the episode. If you want to contact us or reach out in any way, you can do so through Twitter using the handle nextspacepod or by email at hello at negativespacepod.com. The music is by the always amazing Francisco Ojeda. Thank you for spending some time with us. Bye-bye.